Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to speak to you guys this morning. I'm really excited to <clears throat> get back to talking about miracles and, and uh, possibilities and, and the stories of Jesus. And so if you remember before this summer, we were going through the book of Mark, right? Everybody remember? And Mark is the action-packed motion picture version of the life of Jesus. The way Mark tells the story is so, um, so beautiful and so, I mean, he, he doesn't, it's, it's immediately this and then immediately this. It's just one action scene right into the next. And we learned, if you remember, we learned that Mark was actually written to early Christians in Rome and maybe three to five percent of them could read. So, this, so Mark would have been told as a story. These, these uh, early believers would have heard this story of Mark from beginning to end, chapter 1 right through chapter 16, not the way we've been doing it. We've been just taking little, little pieces and, and really diving into it, which is fine. That's, that's, uh, that's great. Um, but I think we have to catch this, that if we could have heard the story of Mark the way that the early believers did, they would have heard these last few stories we've talked about right in a row, and they would have begun to see this pattern of desperate people. Remember the disciples in the boat. The storm is crashing. They are terrified. They shout out to Jesus in desperation, don't you even care if we die? You remember? And he, he says to them, he says to the storm, peace be still. But then he turns to him and he says, have you no faith? Don't be afraid, just believe. And then it ramps up into the next story of, of a man who has thousands of demons. Hopeless. He's beyond hope. The scriptures say that uh, he couldn't even be bound anymore, right? They couldn't even tie him up to prevent him from hurting himself. He spent his days naked in the cemetery, cutting himself with sharp rocks, moaning and, and screaming. He was in constant torment, and he, he was beyond hope. And then he met Jesus. And suddenly, his life had divine possibilities. The story tells us that when the people heard, they came to see. And there's this man, clothed properly, in his right mind, sitting next to Jesus. And as if that's not desperate enough, the story's going to ramp up again today as we talk about a man whose daughter is at the point of death. We talk about this important man who humbled himself before Jesus because he knew that was the only way to save his daughter's life. When desperate people meet Jesus, they experience divine possibilities. And in the middle of all this, we're going to hear about another miracle, another desperate person. Mark weaves this beautiful story in about this woman with the issue of blood. And I, this must be at Art, Art Prize. Have, has anyone gone down to Art Prize yet? It was great, huh? Did you go with a school trip? Or you didn't just go by yourself? No. Okay. 
I didn't see this particular painting, but it was in my news feed as I was preparing this, this for you guys this week, and I said, oh my gosh, I've got to share it. So you see the woman, and she's, you know, she snuck in to touch the, the edge of his, of his prayer shawl. And um, just leave that up. That's fine. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to open to Mark chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 21. And if you've got your Bibles or if you have your Bible on your phone, like Wayne, he's sort of new school, so he does, he's, does things the high-tech way. Mark chapter 5. The gospel story, we start in verse 21. It says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And it says that Jesus went with him. So we've got, again, just one scene of desperation right into the next. And all throughout this, we see Jesus on this journey. You know, he's going from this side of the lake to that side. He's, you know, he's in this town and he travels to this town. You know, he, he goes from this sea to that sea. But I want you to catch that this is not random at all. Jesus is on mission. He's on point. He is absolutely intentional. And his mission is not a lake or a town. It's, it's somebody. Jesus crossed that sea for that one man. He's, he's taken that journey from heaven to earth. Pretty soon we're going to see he's going to journey to Jerusalem and then begin his journey to the cross. And after three days, he'll rise again, make his journey back to heaven. Why do all this? For you and for me. Jesus is nothing if not intentional and on mission. And his mission is us. One person. It's not random at all. And so this ruler of the synagogue, and you, I, Mark says that four times in this little passage. He says that he's the ruler of the synagogue four times. Why? Why does he make such a big uh, deal about that? Well, you've got to understand, this guy is like the president of the local worshiping community. Okay, he hangs out with the guys who hate Jesus. He's uh, part, in partnership with the people who want and who are plotting right now to kill Jesus. That's his people. And yet, when he reaches the point of desperation, none of that matters, does it? He comes in front of everybody, huge crowd, they all know him. They know what he's about. They know, they know that everyone of, of his people hate Jesus because they can't explain him. And by the way, you don't have to explain Jesus. You can't, he's unexplainable. You, you can't explain God. You can just proclaim who he is. Amen? So it doesn't matter what anybody else thought of Jairus. He humbles himself at the feet of Jesus and worships Jesus he believes the stories that he's heard. He believes the reports. He believes that one touch from Jesus is all it will take. And Jesus, who, as I said, he's on mission. He follows Jairus, okay? 
Let's keep going. Let's see, 24. And a great crowd followed about uh, him and thronged about him. And there was a woman, here she is, who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered. Now, oh, isn't that interesting? Jairus' daughter is 12. How interesting that both she and this woman have been on a 12-year journey to this day to meet Jesus. This woman's been suffering a long time, 12 years of suffering, heading to this one moment where she'll be healed in an instant. Jairus' daughter's been on a 12-year journey to this moment where history will change, as we'll see. Said so she's had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who'd suffered much under many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better. Actually, she's gotten worse. Talk about desperate. First the demon-possessed man, then Jairus and his, and his daughter, and now, now this woman. Just over and over we see desperate people coming to Jesus. And... Scripture says that, uh, you know, she has this disease in her body, but, I mean, the, the Greek uh, says to scourge, to whip. It, it's a, a picture of outer torment and inner shame. So not only did she have the outer torment of actually having to suffer with this disease, but she had the inner shame of being called unclean. And you say, well, big deal. I don't care what people call me. But in this culture, that was a huge deal. To be unclean meant... You were isolated. You were excluded. She couldn't touch her husband. Uh, she couldn't be around her kids like normal. In fact, if she ever was around a crowd, she had to yell out, Stay away from me. I'm not right. I'm unclean. Twelve years of isolation. And she had this, this thing going on with her, some menstrual disorder. 12 years, a long time, Mark said, she, she suffered. Outcast from society, suffering. Exhausted all of her options, spent all her money on doctors. Not only didn't she get better, she was actually worse. You know, it's funny, when Luke tells this story, he mentions it, but he doesn't say anything about the doctors, right? Luke protects the doctors. Luke is a physician, so he, you know, he doesn't mention the part about how she suffered under many... Many doctors. He's like, we got to look out for the doctors. <sighs> you know, when you get desperate enough, the only right thing to do is to come to Jesus. And the sooner the better. Amen? So now, Jesus is interrupted from his mission by this lady. Scripture tells us that she heard the reports about Jesus and she came up behind him. And this is what excites me so much. We've got to get this. What took her from a place of absolute despair where it's only getting worse to a point where the story completely shifts? Mark does such a beautiful job of taking us through this motion picture of a story. And we see the story begin to shift from one of hopelessness to one of hope. Why? Because she heard the reports about Jesus. Isn't that good? That's the difference. She heard the reports about Jesus. And what, what reports were those? You know, what, what did she hear? She 
probably heard way back in, in chapter one that the kingdom of God is here. It's a brand new day. Mm-hmm. The, that uh, um, it's a day of possibilities. The kingdom of God is near. It's within your grasp. She heard this, this stuff. She, she had to hear about the withered hand that was healed. And I bet she thought, well, I've got a withered life. If he can heal a withered hand, I bet he can heal my withered life. She had to have heard the story about four guys ripping a hole in someone's roof so they could lower their friend right in front of Jesus. Everybody had had to have been talking about that. She probably said, if it happened for them, I bet it could happen for me. She went from despair to beginning to see some divine possibilities for her life. And I think she absolutely had to have heard about the leper. If there was anyone she could really relate to, it would be that leper who was also outcast, unclean, not allowed to be around regular people, not allowed to worship in community with each other. I think she heard those reports about Jesus and her mind shifted. I think she thought, maybe the rest of my life doesn't need to be like this. Wherever you find yourself today, whatever's going on, I need you to know the story is not over for you. I need you to know there are divine possibilities for you. Everyone has their own story. I want you to take that, and then I want you to add into the equation the reports about Jesus. Your story plus the reports about Jesus equals divine possibilities. If you don't know the reports about Jesus, you need to hear the gospel. You need to hear about how Jesus gave up his his throne, came to earth as a baby, lived a sinless life, and yet chose to take our sin, die on the cross in our place, die a horrible crucifixion so that he could defeat death and we'd be able to join him for all eternity. That's what we're here for. That's the only plan God has for us to spend eternity with him. We have to be born again. Everybody's sinned and come short of the standard. Everybody needs a Savior, and there's only one. It's, it's Jesus. It's this Jesus you've heard about. So I pray that as we go through this passage and you, you hear the gospel and the stories about Jesus, that the same thing would happen in your heart that happened in this, in this woman, that your heart would begin to be filled with the possibilities of what could be and not just what's staring in front of you right now. It says, she had heard reports about Jesus, verse 27, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. So she went from total despair of I'm only getting worse to hearing about Jesus. She came, she touched him. She heard, she came, and she encountered him. The big shift was faith began to rise up in her. She kept saying to to herself, I bet it could happen for me. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. How many of you know that how important it is what you say to yourself? What do you say when no one else is watching you begins to chart a future for yourself? 
Sometimes you've got to become the prophet of your own life. Not just repeating what everyone else says is the way it is, but, but saying this is what could be, this is what should be, this is what must be. Instead of rehearsing what I'm sure she did here, you're a terrible woman. Because you've got to understand, in that culture, if you were sick, especially for a long time, they believed you did something wrong, that you were a bad person. I bet they told her, I don't know what you did, but you need to repent. Whatever you did must have been pretty bad. She had to live with this. So instead of rehearsing what they said, you're no good, you're a sinner, God must hate you, she began to rehearse something different. She began to believe, faith began to rise up, and she began to say, because when it says, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well, what it's really saying there is she kept saying. She said over and over and over again. She didn't say it as she's reaching for him. This is what was building in her heart. This is what was birthed inside of her long before this moment. If I can just get to Jesus. If I can just even touch a piece of his clothing, I'll be healed. This is what she began to believe. This is what she began to build on. This is what was growing inside of her, all leading to this, to this moment, this encounter, when suddenly it didn't matter what had happened before in those 12 years, it didn't matter what anyone had said, all of a sudden her life had divine possibilities. She reaches through that crowd, and, and she wasn't looking to encounter Jesus. She was actually kind of hoping for a bit of a drive-by miracle, right? She wanted to get in, get out, get better. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't having it. And I love what we see in this story that we have two people, Jairus and this woman, who are pursuing Jesus. And then Jesus is pursuing them. Jairus comes to him, please come. Now Jesus follows him. Jesus is pursuing him and his daughter. This woman touched him. Now he's pursuing her. Who was that? What just happened? Where, who touched me? And the, the, the Greek says he, he didn't just ask one time. He wouldn't let up. I mean, the disciples, the disciples say, what do you mean who touched you? Don't you feel people crowding around you? But he was relentless. If there's a miracle, there needs to be a meeting. All right? I love that we see in this passage the, the, both the divinity and humanity of Jesus. As 100% God, he felt power go out from him to heal this woman. But as 100% man, he didn't know who had touched him. But he wasn't going to settle for just a healing. He won't settle for anything less than a relationship with you. She needed not just a healing, she needed Jesus. <sighs> Years ago, we did this um, series on a Wednesday night by Jim Simbola, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. And he told this story about how he had, he had finished preaching um, like three sermons, you know, three services were over. He's exhausted. He's sitting on the edge of the, of the stage and he sees this man obviously coming towards him, and he can tell this is a homeless man. At first by his um, appearance, but as he got closer by the smell, the man just reeked of alcohol and urine and, and 
Pastor Jim was trying to turn his head, and you know, he's so tired, and he thinks, you know, this guy probably just wants money. And the man comes up, and after just a few seconds of talk to him, he reaches into his pocket for whatever cash he's got and hands it to the guy. And the man says, what is this? And he goes, what do you mean, what is this? This is money. He says, well, I don't want money. I want this Jesus you were talking about. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was worth a, a whoop. Sometimes... Sometimes we need help. These people we hear about today, they didn't need a funny story. Um, they didn't need a handout of money. They didn't even just need the miracle. They needed the encounter with the one who works the miracle. I'm concerned about those who don't feel desperate. It's fine to say, well, sure, if I'm ever in that type of situation, then I guess I'll go to Jesus too. But I'm concerned for those who are not uh, desperate for their own souls. Uh, scripture tells us that apart from Christ, you're a walking dead man, a walking dead woman. That's the reality. There is a reality of hell, of eternal damnation. If you're not right with Jesus, you need to desperately come to him and be born again. Don't think there will be time. You know, there will be more time. And, and if you are a follower of Christ, you've already crossed that finish line. We're desperate for him every day. I'm desperate for, his, for the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm desperate to hear from him. I'm, I'm growing more and more desperate every day just to be with him. The Bible tells us apart from him, you can't do anything good. It says, in Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. So he just keeps looking. He's pursuing this woman. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. God's not, sh he's not content with anything short of relationship with you. Isn't it interesting that he calls her daughter? Do you know this is, uh, in all of the gospel story, this is the only person Jesus ever called daughter. Why is that? I think it's because she didn't just need to be healed. She needed to be restored. She needed to be restored to family, to community. She needed to know, I'm not a bad person. I'm not just somebody. I'm a daughter. And in this whole scenario, you have to remember, Jairus is watching. How long did this take? It must have taken a long time because we, we're going to read that his daughter does pass away. In fact, passed away and they already had time to hire whalers, professional mourners. Scholars say that even the poorest person in Israel could hire two flute players and a whaler to come in and mourn your, 
your loss. I don't know what Jairus was thinking, but he had to be thinking, boy, this is, this is not, this isn't right. This isn't protocol. If you've ever been into the emergency room, the person with the greatest need gets seen first. We've had to spend some time in the emergency room lately, Siobhan, quite a bit of time. A week or two ago, Amber, uh, we thought she had broken her wrist and it, it was painful and it was swollen and uh, Siobhan took her to the uh, ER and they waited a long time. Because when, it doesn't matter if you're in pain, if someone comes in in more pain, you're going to wait, aren't you? Even if you're moaning and wailing, if somebody comes in with a heart attack, they're going to the top of the line. That's protocol. And I mean, if I was, Jairus had to be thinking, like, my daughter is at the point of death. This woman has had this issue for 12 years. She can wait a little bit longer. I mean, I don't know if he was thinking that, but I would be thinking that. Was Jairus getting frustrated? Or was he watching what was happening and being filled with divine possibility? I mean, we've all experienced frustration. I think he'd have every right to feel that, but I want to believe he, he saw with his own eyes what, what had happened and knew that the reports were true, and maybe faith even began to grow even more in him. Verse 35 says, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. When it says overhearing, what it really means is ignoring. He ignored what they said. They said that it's too late, and he ignored them. He said, don't fear, only believe. So we learn this. Jesus takes your current reality, fills it with divine possibility. It appeared that Jesus took too long because now the girl is dead. I think we need to pause and recognize we all can understand uh, and recognize that Jairus had to feel disappointed. Why, God? Why me? Why, why would you let this happen? He wouldn't have dropped to his knees in front of everyone if he didn't believe that Jesus could do it, but Jesus took a long time. I want to encourage you. What, what do you do? What do you say in the midst of that moment? I know what I have to do is come back to what I do know about who God is and what he's like, that I know what his character is. I do know that Isaiah 55 tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. And even the Apostle Paul said we only see in part, right? We don't see everything, just a piece of the puzzle. But I do know that you, God, you see everything. I know that you're a good, good father. I know that Scripture tells us you take everything, every circumstance, and work it for our good. Romans 8. So ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. I think he looked right into the eyes of Jairus because he didn't want Jairus to have time to start rehearsing what they were saying. He said, ignore them. Don't be afraid, only believe. This is all of our challenge. 
Verse 37, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. These people are fake. They're hired to do this. Scholars tell us they would clap their hands and they would moan and wail. They would play instruments. But they don't care about this man and his daughter. They don't really share his grief. So they laughed. But Jesus did care. And that's why he's about to fill them with divine possibility. He said, but he put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. At this moment, Jesus had not raised anyone from the dead. This had never been seen. But in this moment of absolute desperation, with the charge that, Je that Jesus gave to Jairus to not fear but only believe, don't fear what you're staring in the face. Don't fear what they're saying. Don't fear what things look like, but believe that anything can happen. Believe that it's not over yet, that there's still good to come. I can take anything and make good out of it. Believe that. It says they were all in amazement. Who's the they? It was those who followed him, those who came. They followed him from the boat to where he met Jairus. When he left to go with Jairus, they came along. They went with him. When this woman stopped him, they stopped. When he kept moving, they kept moving. Those that fell behind, left, went, they, they didn't get to, to be part of this. So the ones that were there that stand amazed. Reminds me of back in chapter 4 when the disciples were in the boat. Jesus said, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves completely stopped. It says the disciples were terrified, amazed. And in chapter 5, earlier, the man with thousands of demons, completely hopeless, when the crowds came, it says they were overwhelmed, amazed. And today, these crowds of people, seeing who Jesus was, what Jesus is capable, they stand there, overwhelmed, amazed. I pray for everyone that has faced disappointment. I pray for every person that you'd be filled with divine possibility, that you too would stand amazed at who Jesus is and what he's capable of, that you wouldn't fear but only believe that the best is yet to come. We believe that. I pray for every follower of Jesus who wants to live on mission and on point the way that Jesus did, for everyone that wants to be part of the they that was with him, was the the disciples. Don't you think that something was birthed in them that day? Don't you think a cause was birthed, a cause they'd be willing to give their lives for? 
to follow Jesus and set captives free, to touch the untouchable, to be attracted to those that nobody else wants, to give hope to the hopeless, healing to the hurt, life to the lifeless. I pray today that a holy cause is birthed in, in your heart. I close with this. The only people in today's story who received a miracle are those that came. They heard, they believed, they came, and they encountered. Those that stayed back missed all of it. If you want to encounter this Jesus that these stories are about today, don't leave until you do. This area is open. Rob will continue to play. We will be up here to pray with you. Don't leave without an encounter. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good and that you work all things for good and that with you we can do good. I thank you that if we'll just come, that you then pursue us, that you're pursuing us even now. I thank you that you won't settle for anything short of relationship with us. Take us to a deeper level, Father. Take us to a, a place where our faith begins to rise and we begin to, we begin to rehearse the possibilities the divine opportunities where we ignore what people are saying, what people are doing. We ignore what's right in front of us and we say, do it again, Father. You did it for them, you can do it for me. If you did it for her, you can do it for me. If you healed that person, you can heal me. Do it again, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help. Thanks, and have a blessed week.